Hi, this is Jim from San Leandro, California, and you are listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Now here's your host, Rico. Hello, everyone out there listening in podcast land. This is Rico, your host for this week's Treks and Sci-Fi, every week's Treks and Sci-Fi. This is show number 146 for November the 4th, 2007 going to have a lot to cover on this week's show since last week I just did that special spooky and scary Halloween episode. going to cover an Enterprise episode uh, called uh, E-Squared. That'll be uh, coming up later on the show. I've got a collectible to talk about. Uh, got a lot of listener content to play for you this week. Trying to get caught up on all these uh, nice audio entries from everyone out there listening to the podcast. And to start off the show... I'm going to play one of those. This is some, uh, well, it's it's some music that may be familiar. Try to place the uh, the composer of this music and maybe where it's from. And I'll be back later uh, in the podcast with the answer. So uh, here we go with the opening to the show uh, with this special music brought to us by Vartok. Thanks very much, Vartok, for that uh, very cool uh, musical uh, intro there. Uh, very nice music, and uh, I'll be playing your answer to that uh, question riddle there uh, shortly here when I take a break before we get into uh, probably uh, the Enterprise episode E Squared. Well, I hope everyone had a nice week. I uh, had a good Halloween here. Uh, I put out another episode of Attic of My Mind, which can be found at atticofmymind.com. Uh, where I uh, recorded some of the trick-or-treaters that uh, showed up at the house, and I think it turned out pretty good. So check out that new uh, little short, uh, more uh, personal podcast that I've been doing. Well, I've got a lot to uh, cover this week, so let's dive right into some Star Trek news and information about uh, the Star Trek movie. Uh, It appears to be moving along pretty well. Uh, They uh, are going to be filming in about a week, starting... uh, uh, lots of uh, things happening. I, I still think they've got to uh, at least announce from uh, what I've been reading uh, over at the uh, very good website trekmovie.com with all the latest movie information on the, on the uh, Star Trek film. They still got to cast a few people, and one name that's being tossed around is the actress Rachel Nichols, 
who was also on the TV show Alias, uh, playing uh, Rachel Gibson on the last season or so of that show. Uh, she has uh, is supposedly up for a part. Uh, you know, J.J. Abrams did the TV show Alias, so he tries to and tends to use a lot of actors that he's familiar with. There's even been rumors that Jennifer Garner, of course, who was the star of Alias, there's been rumors she may show up in a very small part somehow in the Star Trek movie as well as Greg Grunberg, who plays uh, Matt Parkman on Heroes, who's also a good friend of J.J. Abrams. But anyway, this latest rumor, latest rumor with Rachel Nichols up for a part in the movie, uh, they haven't really said that much. It's just a rumor right now. Uh, she could play a few characters. Nurse Chapel, uh, Pike's uh, number one XO character, uh, possibly even a love interest for Kirk, which actually out of those three choices, I think the love interest for Kirk... Uh, Possibly a young Carol Marcus is probably the biggest possibility in my view. Uh, you know, to add another character, another uh, Enterprise crew member, Nurse Chapel, I don't know how you know critical that would be. I guess that's a possibility. Uh, Pike's number one. I'm not sh- so sure how much he's going to really be involved in the movie. So, you know, who knows what will happen, and who knows if she'll even be in the movie. But we'll keep uh, an eye on that little rumor. Another exciting uh, movie uh, development for Trek uh, is that there's a short teaser trailer supposedly in the works that's being uh, talked about on the Internet. Uh, uh, This would probably show up uh, most likely with that Cloverfield uh, movie that J.J. Abrams is doing that's out in uh, mid-January. This uh, supposed trailer will show mostly just uh, effects, uh, supposedly, of the Enterprise under construction or something like that. Again, this is just kind of uh, scuttlebutt and rumors. Who knows what will really turn out to be uh, the case, either when the trailer will show up, what will uh, be in the trailer. Uh, we'll still have to wait and see on that. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the guys uh, on this movie haven't been working on some of these effects and things for for quite a long time anyway. You know, they've got effects to crew and people working on the enhanced Star Trek episodes which, um, you know, there is that menagerie coming up on November 13th and 15th still. If you haven't gotten your tickets, check out uh, StarTrek.com for all the details. Uh, there's lots of stuff up on my website about it as well on the forums and everything. So, But, uh, you know, this teaser trailer would be exciting to see. I, I like it when they release a teaser, you know, even a long time, even up to, you know, nine months to a year ahead of time. I think it kind of is, is a cool thing. And with a sci-fi movie like Trek... With the effects, you don't really have to have a lot of actors in it or film done to create one of these teasers. So, you know, they can just create a very short thing, get people kind of excited about it, and and get them thinking about Star Trek coming back at the end of uh, 2008. A couple more things here. Uh, The uh, movie uh, sort of fan-slash-professional Star Trek film that's being worked on for quite a while now called Star Trek of Gods and Men is set to have the first part premiere on December 22nd at 5.01 Eastern Standard Time. So uh, it's going to be, I think, streaming only on the web. I think the website, again, you can go to to check out more information on this cool film uh, that Tim Russ has been uh, pulling together. Just go to uh, StarTrekOfGodsAndMen.com for all the details. Now, kind of sliding away from Trek uh, information and news into other things, it, it's looking like the uh, the Writers Guild of America, you know, all the Hollywood writers uh, out in, uh, you know, la-la Hollywoodland, 
excuse me, uh, are going to strike. This is looking pretty likely now. Uh, it's hard to say how long the strike could possibly last. Supposedly, the stuff I've been reading online is that tomorrow, uh, the, or actually just after midnight tonight, uh, which would be like you know 12.01 a.m. on November the 5th, Monday, the writers are set to strike. Now, they're already talking about this cutting into uh, the television season, possibly shows like Heroes, which I'm a big fan of, uh, Lost, and other things could be shortened because of this. If it does, obviously, if it's short, uh, or I, I should say if it does last a while, if it's short, if they settle things, it uh, obviously wouldn't have as much of an impact on the season, but if it goes on longer, uh, who knows what will happen. Uh, I know there have been some discussions about this on the uh, Star Trek, uh, or excuse me, on the Treks in Sci-Fi forums that uh, you can find at treksinsci-fi.com. It, uh, you know, it's it's difficult. Strikes are never a good thing, I don't think, and I'm not going to get into discussing that a lot, but, you know, it's kind of too bad that they can't settle things. I think the biggest issue has been, you know, these days with all the DVD content, things on the Internet, uh, cable, residuals from film and television are, uh, I think, a big issue for these writers that they want more of a piece of this uh, ongoing revenue that's coming back. And, uh, you know, I can understand their viewpoint that these uh, companies make a lot of money off this stuff uh, over years and years. You know, I remember that was always a complaint uh, from the original Star Trek series actor Shatner Nimoy, you know, all the rest, uh, you know, they had said that, you know, of course, back in the 60s, nobody could ever foresee, you know, the syndication, the DVDs, the VHS, if before the DVDs, and all the content that Trek has been sort of, you know, put out on. I've got, you know, the original series on at least two different DVD sets. Uh, I've got some VHS tapes of it. You know, it's there's no way anyone could have anticipated all of that at the time, but these days, it is seems to be a little unfortunate that these guys aren't getting getting a little bit, you know, a piece of the action from these shows showing up for years on end on syndication and, and home video release of some type. So we'll see how this uh, goes. I really hope it does get solved fairly quickly. I, I'd hate to see the season messed up. There's some good shows on, and I think it would really hurt some of the new shows if this happens. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's uh, been uh, watching these uh, Battlestar Galactica Razor previews. They're showing up on the Friday Night Flash Gordon during that show. They show a little commercial each week, which I haven't really been watching Flash Gordon. I could only handle about two episodes of that show. But on sci-fi.com slash Battlestar, you can see all these Razor previews for uh, this very cool Battlestar Galactica movie coming up uh, later this month. This thing looks amazing. They've really put a lot into this film. For fans like myself of the original series, there are a lot of cool things in here that they've connected uh, the new Battlestar series to the old Battlestar Galactica show. Very cool effects. The old-style Cylons are back. Well, it's just amazing. So if you're a Battlestar fan, go check it out. Uh, These previews, they're doing one a week until the premiere. I think there are five of them up right now, so check it out over at sci-fi.com. Okay, I think I'm going to take a short break here, catch my breath, have some Gatorade, and play Vartok's answer to that original, or that, excuse me, the opening bit of music that I played from him. So listen to Vartek, and I'll be back in a few minutes. Hello again from Vartok, and now the answer to the earlier music question. 
Well, if you couldn't quite put your finger on the Star Trek movie, you're not alone because it's not from a Star Trek movie, but rather from the 1966 movie The Blue Max by Jerry Goldsmith. Now, before you call me epithets and Klingonese, which I'm sure many of you can, let me tell you that Jerry Goldsmith is often remembered for composing the scores for five Star Trek films. They are Star Trek The Motion Picture, playing now in the background, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Insurrection, and Star Trek Nemesis. And, of course, the title theme for Star Trek Voyager television series. Clearly, that track played earlier had a Star Trek sound to it, and now you know why. Well, the theme from Star Trek The Next Generation was adapted from the main title of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Gene Roddenberry actually wanted Goldsmith to score Star Trek's pilot episode, The Cage, but the composer was unavailable. The score for Star Trek The Motion Picture is regarded by many as his most impressive. Goldsmith was charged with depicting a universe with his music, and so it is extremely expansive. But Goldsmith's initial main theme was not well received by the filmmakers, and especially director Robert Weiss, who felt it sounded like sailing ships. Although somewhat irked by this rejection, Goldsmith, the consummate professional, consented to rework his initial idea and finally arrived at the soaring majestic theme, which was ultimately used and which remains instantly recognizable today. You know, the core of the main theme bears some resemblance to that of The Man from Uncle, also scored by Goldsmith in 1964. Yet there are many other facets to this score. The opening sequence features a memorable theme for the Klingons, a clarion call introduced by woodwinds accompanied by angklongs, which are bamboo rattles from Indonesia. Now, Goldsmith would reprise this Klingon theme in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and for Worf in subsequent scores, and the love theme for Ilya was used for the overture. Goldsmith also came up with a signature sound for V'ger by using Craig Huxley's blaster beam, a long, narrow metal box equipment's low, electronically amplified piano strings, which the player strikes with an artillery shell casing and mallet. Goldsmiths also utilized a large pipe organ, which required the score be recorded at 20th Century's Fox, which had the only scoring stage in Los Angeles equipped with such an organ. Alexander Courage, who composed the theme for the original Star Trek television series, was a friend of Goldsmiths and served as his orchestrator on several scores. The list of Jerry Goldsmiths most distinguished film scores, most of which were Oscar-nominated, might by general consensus include Freud, Patch of Blue, The Blue Max, The Sand Pebbles, Planet of the Apes, Patton, Papillon, Chinatown, The Wind and the Lion, The Omen, Logan's Run, Islands in the Stream, acknowledged by Goldsmith as his own personal favorite, The Boys from Brazil, Capricorn One, Alien, The First Great Train Robbery, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Twilight Zone the Movie, Lionheart, the Russian House, Total Recall, Medicine Man, Basic Instinct, Hoosiers, The Edge, The Thirteenth Warrior, and The Mummy. Clearly, Jerry Goldsmith was a man for sci-fi. Well, that does it for this music segment. Until next time, this is Vartox signing off. Now back to you, Rico. Did I really say Ilya? What was I thinking, Rico? That's Ilya. 
Thanks very much, Vartok, for that uh, fascinating look at Star Trek music and Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, I've got to check out that Blue Max uh, movie score. It's uh, it's very sci-fi and, and Trek-like sounding and would be great background music to use, uh, you know, sometimes on a podcast and just to listen to. So thanks very much. That was fascinating stuff. You know, I've always been uh, a great big fan of the original uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture uh, score, and even the movie itself, I think, is... Uh, is probably the most underrated of the films uh, that they've done, and it's uh, you know it's really gets a lot of that and a lot of what uh, makes that movie and the feeling behind it from the score, just like I think the Star Wars movies do from the John Williams music in those. It's uh, it really creates a certain mood and, and and sets that movie into a certain kind of, I guess, uh, mind space or something. But anyway, I really enjoy it. So thanks very much, Vartek. Really appreciate that. Love to hear more sometime. Okay, I've got uh, one little bit of uh, Star Wars-related information I wanted to pass on. It looks like the company, the uh, this is a, a game-related Star Wars story. The, the company uh, uh, BioWare, which was recently uh, announcing that it has formed a partnership with LucasArts, uh, of course, LucasArts is the one, that, the company that does all these Star Wars games for uh, computer and video systems. They have formed a uh, an agreement to create a new Star Wars game. Uh, this is, the rumor around the internet is that it's going to be set in that Knights of the Old Republic uh, time frame, and then it could perhaps be an MMO as well. Uh, whether that'll just end up being on consoles or the PC or both, and if it really will be an MMO is is still a little bit up in the air. But it, it's definitely true that they're going to be working on another. Uh, very cool-sounding Star Wars game set in that kind of time period, so we'll keep an eye on that story. I know that's been discussed on the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums as well in the last week or so, and uh, along with uh, we've still got the RPG game going. This season is uh, just starting to really get going, and there's still time to join in, so check it out over on the forums when you get a chance. Okay, I've got uh, one last uh, entry uh, from a listener here from Duffster. We've got a book review to play for you. And right after that, we'll be getting into uh, E-Squared, the Enterprise episode, uh, the topic for the main subject for this week's Treks in Sci-Fi. So take it away, Duffster. I'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Duffster, and this is your science fiction book review, brought to you by ReadMoreSciFi.com. Uh, today's book, we're going to take a look at... Old Man's War by John Scalzi. Um, actually, the initial recommendation I got for this book was by Locutus from the Trex and Sci-Fi boards. Thanks, because uh, it was a really good book. Um, I, you know, I said in the past one of my favorite books and authors is Robert Heinlein. Now, uh, the the plot of Old Man's War is, you know, it kind of the same rough idea, a few things, but uh, he's de- it's definitely not. Uh, a repeat of Starship Troopers. He, he's done a great job. The idea is that once you hit a certain age, um, in his case 70, you uh, join. You can join the Colonial Dense Defense Forces, the CDF, and uh, you'll actually be given a. Um, well, they are rejuvenating them, letting them live longer, joining the force, fighting the forces of evil out there kind of goes through this man's life John Perry when he joins the uh, forces going through uh, some boot camp which is kind of reminiscent of, of Starship Troopers again and then some battles he's going through. There's some really interesting uh, uh, science ideas uh, 
one of my favorite was a, a, a feature called the Brain Pal. <laughs> so it kind of is in your head. You talk to it. It kind of helps you. It gives you ideas. And eventually, you don't even have to enunciate anything. It, it senses your brain patterns on what you want and, and helps you out. Of course, um, what uh, Mr. Perry names his uh, Brain Pal, we're not going to go into at this point. But um, needless to say, this is a great book. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, I think you should all go out and give it give it a read it's it's definitely a fun book um i guess that's all i got for right now um, i just gotta leave it to the following reading more science fiction Ta-ta. thanks again for another cool book review sounds like a good book uh, there duffster i'll have to check that out sometime uh you can uh listen to the duffster on his podcast and learn more about uh, the sci-fi he's reading over at his website readmoresci-fi.com Okay, time to get into this week's Star Trek episode. Uh, This is from the television series Enterprise, or at this stage it was called Star Trek Enterprise. This is from Season 3. The episode is E Squared. Written by uh, Michael Sussman and directed by Roxanne Dawson, who played, uh, of course, Belana Torres on Voyager. This episode uh, is during the, uh, well, near the end of Season 3, which was that whole Zindi arc where there was that probe that wiped out a good uh, section of Florida and killed Trip's sister and was sent to Earth to uh, check things out and, and blast away. And the Enterprise, uh, with uh, Archer and crew aboard, are sent off into this area called the Expanse to find out uh, what they can about this situation and this probe, where it came from, and how to stop uh, what's about to happen in this larger probe that they're going to launch to basically wipe out Earth to prevent something that supposedly is going to happen in the future where the Enterprise uh, goes after the the Zindi race. So anyway, that's the overall arc and storyline that's going on during Season 3. This episode is a little unique in that it doesn't really advance that storyline a lot. Uh, Basically, the, the start of this episode is... They are trying to get to a meeting with this uh, Zindi sort of, uh, uh, well, he's he's giving the Enterprise information. He's a scientist. He doesn't want what's about to happen. He doesn't want his, his work to be used in this way. So he's helping Archer and his crew out to stop this situation. And they have to go to a, get to a meeting uh, with uh, Degra. And in order to do that, they got to get from kind of one spot to another fairly quickly and they are going to have to travel through this area, this weird area. There's a lot of weird subspace and, you know, spatial anomalies out in this area called the Expanse, and they've got to get to meet with Degra and go through one of these areas. And what this uh, ends up happening is they run into uh, sort of a uh, another Enterprise, basically. That's why this episode is called E Squared. But it's an Enterprise uh, from uh, sort of from the future, from the past together. We'll get into more of that uh, as we go. But I'm going to start off, uh, get through some of these uh, clips that I've collected. This first one is uh, a little exchange. A lot of this episode involves uh, Trip and Paul, And there's an exchange here between them. You know, Trip was having a lot of trouble in the early parts of Season 3 sleeping. Went to Paul for help to help him with this uh, neural pressure deal. And, you know, one thing led to another. And... And they kind of got together, and this first uh, little bit is between the two of them talking about what, uh, well, their relationship is, uh, you know, what's happened and between them and what uh, what it all means. Truth is, I'm sleeping fine. 
I didn't come for neural pressure. I came because I'm worried about you. Worried? You've been keeping to yourself a lot lately, even more than usual. You spend every free moment in your quarters. Even ask Chef to bring your meals here. The mess hall's heavily damaged. Where do you suggest I eat? Come on. You gotta admit, you've been avoiding me ever since the two of us... You know, when we... Had sexual relations. Well, it's real romantic when you put it that way. I told you, what happened was an exploration, not the prelude to an intimate relationship. I never said I wanted a relationship. Neither did I. You helped me get through a rough patch, and I'm grateful. I just stopped by to see if I could return the favor. I appreciate your concern. But I'm fine. Ah, but, uh, you know, T'Pol is not actually fine at all. She's uh, suffering uh, quite a bit. Her emotions are becoming a lot more, uh, well, they're coming up to the surface a lot more due to this area of space that they're in. Uh, Phlox has been giving her this uh, drug to try to help, but uh, it's still messing things up for her as a logical, uh, emotionally, you know, sort of suppressing the emotions. Uh, Vulcan, it's very difficult uh, for her, and... She's into this, uh, you know, situation with Trip, which is even making it more uncomfortable and difficult. And and this episode uh, takes that relationship even further with what they find uh, aboard this second Enterprise, which uh, is very interesting. You know, this whole episode is is they did this kind of thing in the other series as well. They did it in Next Generation, that episode Future Imperfect, where where they uh, you know were able to see the future of how it possibly could be. Uh, they also did that in, in All Good Things a little bit at the end of that episode, or during that episode, I should say. Uh, but, uh, you know, and they did it in uh, Deep Space Nine as well. And, you know, where there was that planet episode, they the the Defiant was there, and they there was this situation they couldn't get away, and they sort of bounced off this field around this planet, I think is the way it worked out, and, and they met up with uh, their descendants, sort of, and that's what happens in this episode of Enterprise. So this is sort of a... Uh, a common theme that they did in, in most of the Trek series. And it, it's pretty interesting to see these situations because then you get to see what what possibly could have been, sort of a what-if scenario and uh, an alternate timeline and those kind of things. The next clip, this is when they meet up, uh, I think the first meeting up of uh, the regular Enterprise crew in Archer with the second Enterprise. So listen to this. Must be the Annex 2 Columbia. It's still under construction. I don't think that's Columbia. We're being hailed. Captain Archer, you must reverse course immediately. Who are you? There's no time to explain. Alter your heading. Tell me about it. Would you tell me what the hell is going on? Your weapons won't be necessary. I'd like some answers first. I'm Lorian, commander of Enterprise. 
Karen Archer, my first officer. We should find a place to talk. Perhaps the conference room. You want to Paul to join us. I think the uh, interesting thing about that scene is how quickly Archer just, you know, he he listens to him. There's something about this guy that he trusts sort of to begin with. He stops their, their heading. They're going to go into this subspace corridor thingy. And, uh, you know, that's what the scientific name for it is, at least, thingy. <laughs> but, he, you know, he, he kind of implicitly trusts him at, uh, here to, at the beginning. And now there's going to be a little bit more explanation about what's going on. And that's the next clip. You can't take your ship into the subspace corridor. If you do, it'll be thrown back in time 117 years. How would you know that? Because it's already happened. We're here to make certain that history doesn't repeat itself. The Kavalans attacked Enterprise as soon as it entered the nebula. Thanks, Captain. I'll fly. Torpedoes, full spread. How long until it reaches the core? 18 seconds. All phasing's gone. We're losing speed. Hold your course. trip through the corridor took only a few seconds. It didn't take long before your crew realized something was wrong. I saw pursuit. Where are we? We've traveled 11.6 light years. Dara. Nothing on long-range sensors. Captain, the stars. They're not where they're supposed to be. Are you sure we're at the right coordinates? Yes. Enterprise was in the right place, but it was over a hundred years early. We're not entirely sure why this happened, but we have a theory. We think your impulse wake destabilized the corridor, causing it to shift in time. Why didn't you... Didn't we... Go back through it. T'Pol eventually determined that ships can only travel through this corridor in one direction. I'll notify the crew. Let Travis know we'll be getting underway. What course should we set? Even if we could find a way out of the expanse, we can't go back to Earth. We'd be contaminating our own culture, our own history. Cochrane's war flight won't happen for another 26 years. So here you have the classic uh, situation in any kind of time travel uh, sci-fi story is that if it's if if it's already happened and they're meeting up with this second Enterprise, but they haven't actually gone through the corridor yet, doesn't that stop it from happening? You know, it becomes kind of uh, confusing if you start to think about it too much, but it does set up a very... Uh, interesting story gives the actors chances to play themselves in different ways uh paul especially gets to uh get to do a lot in this episode as their younger and older self and it's really uh it's well done and uh, very interesting to see the next uh clip that i've got for you is uh flocks in sickbay you know one of the things they try to discover is are these people telling the truth 
And one of the ways to do that is to ID them, you know, through genetic uh, uh, checks that flocks can do. So listen to this. They are who they claim to be. Most of the young woman's ancestors were human, but there are also chromosomes from three species I've never seen before. These genetic markers belong to you, Captain. She would appear to be your uh, great-granddaughter. I've uh, compared your genetic profile with Lorient's. These base pair sequences could only have come from you. These chromosomes are human. That's correct. They uh, came from his father. That's impossible. Humans and Vulcans have never been able to reproduce. According to Lorian, I discovered, uh, or rather I will discover, a method of successfully combining human and Vulcan genomes. Who's the father? Commander Tucker. Yeah, so the next uh, clip here, that was an interesting one. You know, it's it's interesting with the, the trip and... Paul relationship on Enterprise, you know, of course, Spock uh, supposedly being the first real uh, Vulcan uh, human hybrid ever, and they, you know, they really push that situation, that limit a little bit in Enterprise in this episode, and then in the fourth season towards uh, the end of that season as well. Uh, the next one, though, this next clip is an interesting one. This is between the older Paul on the second Enterprise and between her and Archer meeting up, uh, it, it's a good one. It's kind of a quiet one. Not a lot of dialogue. The music is nice in it, but I'll play it for you uh, right now. Hello, Jonathan. Papa. changed you. They didn't tell me you were still aboard. You mean still alive. You look well. How's Trip? He's fine. If you'd like, I'll have him come by and say hello. That might be awkward. There's so much I want to ask you. I don't know where to start. I wish we had time to get reacquainted. You must give this to your science officer. She'll know what it means. Yeah, it was a good scene there. You know, there are uh, there are two basic things that happen in this episode, or two basic plans to try to solve the problem that they're in. Uh, Lorian, uh, the the trip uh, and T'Pol, uh, well, offspring on the other Enterprise, wants to uh, make uh, the Archer Enterprise, uh, you know, enhance the engines and structural integrity so they can make the rendezvous in time and so they can avoid that whole subspace corridor thingy. Uh, but uh, the the older T'Pol has a better idea says that she can she knows how to fix their impulse problem and not have that uh, little wormhole subspace area destabilized when they go through it she thinks they can still go through it and make the rendezvous without being thrown back in time 
So these these two plans are kind of opposing each other a little bit, and Lorian really feels strongly that they s- simply sh- can't take the chance to go through the corridor, and uh, he formulates a plan uh, to sort of stop them, and I'll play that clip, uh, his plan for that uh, right now. We're going to use the injectors from Archer's ship. Do you expect him to simply give them to us? No. You're going to steal them? Their warp drive will be disabled. My father's a resourceful engineer. He'll be able to fabricate new injectors. You're asking me to betray Jonathan Archer. I know this won't be easy, but we've had to make difficult choices before. Our parents and grandparents lived and died aboard this ship to ensure that someday we would be able to stop the Zindi. This is our time. If Earth is going to survive, we have to act. I like the uh, I like the character of Lorian in this episode. He has a lot of good intentions. You know, he's obviously uh, takes a lot after his uh, his father and his mother. He's he's really trying to do what's best, and he's really guilt ridden over uh, not being able to stop the Zindi uh, previously to uh, to what's going on now. And he's got it. He feels like he's got another chance, and he has to do something. And he doesn't really feel like he has time to convince Archer otherwise. So he formulates his plan to steal these injectors from the the newer Enterprise in order to power his his own ship. Of course, that doesn't end up working out, and well, we'll uh, we'll discuss that in a few minutes. There's one more uh, clip here of an inter interchange uh, exchange interchange. <laughs> Aren't those on like roads and stuff? An exchange between Trip and T'Pol about their situation. So listen to this, and I'll be back. We should have known this was a mistake. What? Exploring human sexuality with you. You're obviously unable to have a physical relationship without developing an emotional attachment. You know, all the other women on board must have been taken. Because I can't imagine any other reason why I would have married someone as stubborn as you. I'll go help Rostov with a poor manifold. You seem to have everything under control. You know, it's a classic situation there. You know, two people like each other and, you know, they have disagreements, but they, you know, deep down, uh, for whatever reason, they, they really understand that they belong together. It's uh, it, it's good. And both, uh, you know, Connor Trenier and, and Jolene Blaylock, you know, they do a good job with those parts. Uh, Connor, I really like uh, on Enterprise. He's a real natural kind of actor. He He's a lot like that in person. I've seen him a couple of times uh, at conventions and he he's very easygoing, and and his character uh, his his character of Trip is much like the way he is, I think, in real life, and that's probably a little easier to play. Uh, and Jolene, I think, does a really good job with with DePaul. I've really in, enjoyed her performance. I think it's very underrated, and it's you know I think it really shows how difficult it is to to play a character, a Vulcan character, on on an Enterprise type show, on a Star Trek type series. You know, where you an actor usually uses their emotions so much, and she really can't. Although in this season, she can tap into that a little bit because of the area of space that they're in. Uh, next clip. This, you know, the, this plan by Lorian to uh, steal these injectors, of course, doesn't quite work out. And he's captured, tossed in the brig, and then Archer comes to talk to him about the situation. So that is what this clip is about. You were lucky. Block says the injuries on both ships were minor. You almost crippled us. My mission would have been over. Your mission is over, Captain. You 
You just won't accept it. I took the only logical course of action. Attacking your ancestors doesn't sound very logical to me. You wouldn't understand. You can't. You don't know what it's like living with the responsibility. Millions of people are dead because of me. I'm sure your crew did everything they could to stop the pro- I could have destroyed it. Years ago, I'm, I swore to my captain on his deathbed. I'd save those seven million lives. You were the man I made that promise to. I devoted my life to that mission. We knew the coordinates of the launch platform the exact minute the weapon was going to be deployed. But our plan didn't work. I had one last chance. Use Enterprise itself, set a collision course with the probe. But I hesitated. My emotions took over. I couldn't give an order that would kill my crew. It's a good, real good scene there. It explains some of the guilt Lorian feels for what's been happening or what's happened to him over the years. You know, think about a hundred years, you know, living with that situation and just it's real, real good stuff. And I think uh, a guy's name is David uh, Andrews that plays uh, Lorian in this episode. Does a re- really good job. It's kind of unfortunate we never get to see him again. Uh, the next clip. This is uh, a scene you had to have in this episode. This is a scene between the the older and the young to Paul. Uh, really good stuff. And listen to this. There's someone on your ship who can help. Flox has already given me a neurosuppressant. I don't mean Flox. Trip can be an outlet for these feelings if you'll trust him. The emotions he stirred in me were powerful and frightening. I tried to push him away. If Enterprise hadn't been stranded in the past, it's possible I never would have married Tripp. But I can't imagine what my life would have been like without him. What do you suggest I do? There's a human expression. Follow your heart. What if my heart doesn't know what it wants? It will. Yeah, very, very good, uh, good scene there. Like, uh, like that a lot, and it kind of sets it. Like I said earlier, a few things up that happen in the series later on. Uh, just got a couple clips left. We're kind of winding down. Uh, there is the uh, the inevitable uh, scene where it all comes together, the battle and everything, and and really what allows this all to succeed and Archer to do what he needs to do and get through the corridor is that uh, they have two Enterprises, these aliens that attack them, have two Enterprises to deal with instead of just the one. So here's a, a little bit of the battle there from that scene. Home plating's holding. What about Archer? Their aft plating's almost gone. See if we can get the aliens' attention. Torpedoes full spread. We've lost aft plating. 45 seconds to the corridor. Weapons are down. They're targeting Archer's reactor. Disengage the tractor beam. New course, 180 Mark 0. Aft 
back. Your momentum will carry you into the corridor. We'll follow as soon as we can. <laughs> Tell my parents that I'll see them soon. 12 seconds to the corridor. Direct hit. The pylons are starting to buckle. Reserve power to hull plate. Yeah, so the uh, the second the E-squared Enterprise enables uh, Archer's ship to get through the corridor, helps them, uh, has to use a tractor beam because their engines uh, get cut out. And it's, uh, you know, a real good battle scene. The Enterprise has some of the best effects, I think, of any of the series. They really do some top-notch stuff. And it looks great on uh, on DVD. It's uh, really clean, clean uh, versions of these episodes. Really enjoy watching it. So we've got one more clip, though. This is at the very end of the episode, sort of the epilogue between Archer and T'Pol in his uh, ready room about what happened and what possibly happened to the E-squared Enterprise. No sign of pursuit. Where are we? We've traveled 11.6 light years. Are we still in the right century? The stars are where they're supposed to be. What about Lorian? No sign of them yet, sir. Captain Starlog Supplemental. It's been five hours, and the other Enterprise still hasn't arrived. Repairs to our impulse drive are underway. One ship against four. It's unlikely they survived. Lorian has years of command experience. Something tells me we shouldn't write him off yet. I suppose there's another possibility. Since we weren't thrown into the past, maybe history somehow corrected itself? Are you suggesting that the other Enterprise never existed? If you're right, then why would we remember them? Bridge to Captain Archer. Go ahead. Could you come out here, sir? A ship's dropping out of warp. Stagger. He's ailing us. Put him up. Captain. You're early. Okay, there you have it. Uh, Enterprise episode E squared uh, from the third season, uh, directed by Roxanne Dawson, who did a great job, I think. This is a fun episode. Lots of neat things to get to see here that you don't get to see in any other uh, Enterprise episode, you know, these this possibility of these children of the main crew, uh, an alternate timeline, alternate Enterprise, uh, really good. And, and it, uh, again, like I said, it doesn't really do a lot more for the Zindi plot, but I think uh, Archer learns a few things uh, from this uh, that he can't hesitate, that he needs to do what he needs to do towards the end of this, uh, this season-long arc here. He he really uh, uses everything he needs to to get the to stop the Zindi weapon. So there are, uh, I've got a couple, two different uh, takes on Enterprise uh, 
This episode, E squared, one from Richard in Seattle and one from the Moyers. So let's play those. It's going to be uh, a little bit of uh, length here, four minutes for one and three minutes for the other. But I'm just going to play them back to back for you to listen to, and then I'll be back later after both of these for a quick collectible review. So sit back and listen to uh, Richard first, and then the Moyers take on E squared. Hello, this is Richard from Seattle again. Just wanted to check in. I heard that you were doing an episode of Star Trek Enterprise entitled E Squared. I thought I would talk a little bit about what I thought about the episode. Some interesting plot lines, I thought. I love a time travel story, and especially the element of the generational ship kind of brought me back to the days of Star Trek Voyager when they thought they were going to have to do a generational ship. Um, interesting things. Um, old T'Pol, her makeup, kind of freaky. I mean, it was pale. But, I guess, she hasn't been going out on away team missions for quite a number of years, so she wouldn't get any sunlight or any tan on her skins why it's probably pretty white and pasty I assume other things that were great I liked that the ending now I had not seen this episode before I was still in Taiwan or thereabouts when this episode aired so this was the first time I got to see it just inspiration from the podcast heard you were going to review it so I thought I'd take a look at it the ending I really appreciated where they don't really tell you what happened to the other Enterprise. They kind of leave it up to the fans, the viewer, to figure out what happened. I mean, with a time travel episode, it's always so confusing and it doesn't make sense sometimes anyway. So they just leave it up to us to kind of techno-babble our way out of it. Because how did they, our Enterprise get out of the Expanse if the if the older Enterprise didn't help them, so they had to be there, but how did the older Enterprise get to be in existence if our Enterprise didn't go back in time and create them? But T'Pol was saying, how could they not have existed if we remember them? Just lots of interesting things there to think about, I thought. Other interesting things I had read about the episode in preparation for this, and it said that E Squared was actually the shortest episode title used for Star Trek. It beat out Q2 by just, you know, a half-size digit instead of a full-size digit. E Squared instead of Q2. So I thought that was interesting. Also, this episode was directed by Roxanne Dawson, who plays Belana Torres on Star Trek Voyager. It seems like she did four of them. I think it was four, as I was reading of Star Trek Enterprise, which is pretty cool, and I thought she directed well. You're not always sure how you can tell how good the directing was, but I thought, because the episode turned out really well, that she must have directed it pretty darn good then. Anyways, that was my take on the episode E Squared. I thought it was a great episode. It had a lot of good plotline twists and everything, and I liked how they developed some of the characters. Also, before I go, I just want to tell you that the technology today must... It's just gotten so good. 
I know you had been saying in the Star Trek Voyager episode, Faces, that it was really cool how you could see the two Balanas on the screen and how technology has advanced. Well, in this one you have young T'Pol and old T'Pol, and young T'Pol is walking back and forth on the screen, and I was just amazed. I couldn't believe it. How did they do some of it was I was thinking. I was like, one of those can't be, you know, T'Pol. One of them has to be a stand-in or something, but most of the time it was both, you know, her and her. So... I'm just really appreciative of the time and effort put into the effects to make it believable because I was shocked and it turned out to be a really touching scene in be- you know, with the two T'Pol's and the trip storyline. Very good. So, I really enjoyed it. It was a good episode. It kind of just was great, actually. So thank you and thanks for the podcast. We'll see you later. Hi, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is the, the Father, Father and Son, Son Review. Well, Rico, we noticed that you're doing an Enterprise episode called E2. And I honestly, when I first heard it, I thought, I don't remember that one. I thought it was E.T. Phone home. Either that or an algebra problem, but I didn't get that far. E squared. Maybe it was E squared. Well, anyway, we went ahead and we watched the episode tonight. I can. Again. I remembered it. And you remembered it? After watching it halfway through. Okay. So there's lots of different elements in this. We got to see some of the Zindi, and we got to see some cool makeup. Uh, What did you like about the episode the most, Nathan? That we got to see that Malcolm never really, you know... Never got a girlfriend. Yeah. Oh. That's sad. Well, we knew it was going to happen. Maybe. Well, anyway, why don't you ask me what my favorite part was? What was your favorite part? I absolutely loved the special effects in this episode. They were like movie quality. The expanse was cool looking. The the other ships and the and the uh, the cool uh, just everything was good. The the special effects were just rocking in this one. I loved it. Yeah, that was my favorite part of it. It's a and, pretty good plot too. Yeah, and I I thought it was kind of cool having um, seeing the old T'Pol. You're making noise when you do oh, that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Anyway, I really like seeing the old T'Pol. That was kind of cool. Yeah, they've done that a few times, though, with other characters. Yeah, that's Voyager, true. They did it definitely wasn't like a really original episode. As we far saw as one just like that in Deep Space Nine. Remember the one when they went to the planet? They found all their ancestors. Uh-huh. They did the exact same thing. Tried yep. to make them do something different, so yeah. they still exist. Yeah. So. Yeah, kind of like that. So, anyway... There you go. That's really all I have to say about the episode. I, I enjoyed it, but I also... Um, I mean, it wasn't the most original one. They could have written something better, but it was an okay one for what they did, I guess. Yeah, I thought the special effects were great, and the plot was semi-okay. So, um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about the episode before we uh, sign off? Three Flash Gordons. Oh, you and your Flash Gordons. It's still on, you know. You know the Flash Gordon is still I'm on. I'm very surprised. I watched do you notice what they do now? They're, they're playing the Razor flashbacks mm-hmm. during Flash Gordon, so people still watch Flash Gordon. It's true, and then when I found out on the forums at www.treksinsci-fi.com, uh, you click on forums, and there's a link there in the forums where you can go right to the sci-fi uh, channels. Um, that looks pretty cool, by the way. Yeah, and you can watch the flashbacks without watching Flash Gordon. So you can watch the flashbacks without... Watching Flash. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I tried watching it again on Friday, and I just 
Couldn't even make it through an episode. Same here. Yeah. Well, this wasn't supposed to be about that. But okay, so let's go it back. Let's go back to E2 okay. on Enterprise. How many stars? Out of five stars, Nathan, how many do you give E2? I give it three. You give it three? Yeah, three. I'm going to give it three as well. I thought I will. I will. I'm shaking your hand right now. Okay. There you go. Okay. Okay, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this has been... The, the Father and Son, Son Review. Review. E2. Well, thanks very much uh, for uh, both of those. Uh, first, Richard, thanks very much for uh, your information and your comments about uh, E Squared and the Moyers. Thank you as well. Yeah, Richard, I, I hadn't realized. Yeah, that is a pretty short title uh, in the episode, uh, E Squared. Uh, you know, Q2 they did, like you said, and E Squared being the shortest Enterprise uh, title. And thanks again, of course, to the Moyers and their inimitable, inimitable, <laughs> am I saying that right? Inimitable style and uh, the way they can put a little fun spin on any uh, episode of Star Trek. Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I completely agree. This wasn't necessarily the most original of Trek uh, episodes and concepts, but I thought it was a fun one and a good one from Enterprise to see the, you know, the other characters and develop this story a little bit and, and their backgrounds and things like that. It's... Uh, it is, and you're right. I, I remember now that the uh, I didn't take uh, I captured that clip, but yeah, Malcolm finds out that he doesn't end up with any kind of a girl in the uh, alternate Enterprise. Poor Malcolm, you know. But Dominic Keating is really uh, showing up like all over the place these days. He is on Heroes, or or sort of was. I don't think he's going to be on there much anymore. A few episodes he was on, and he has also turned up on the TV show that I also watch on Monday nights called Prison Break. He uh, he is on that show now as well. I'm not sure how much his character is being going to be involved in what's going on there, but uh, yeah, he's he's popping up uh, and showing up in a, a little bit of movies and things like that too. So good for Dominic. Okay, let's go through a uh, a very quick uh, collectible review. I, I wanted to hit something I haven't hit uh, that I've uh, actually owned this item for for years now, a few years, but I just haven't talked about it on the podcast. This is another Master Replicas item, one of their earlier items in their Star Wars line. It came out, uh, I think it was. this is about a 2003 item. I, I didn't look it up, but I think that's about right. Uh, it, it's uh, it's one of their earlier, but it's a little different, uh, one of their earlier items. It's not a lightsaber or a Force FX lightsaber, but it's a, uh, well, it's the Jedi Training Remote. This is that little ball thing that flies around Luke that he uh, deflects the little blaster bolts back when he's on the Millennium Falcon uh, in Star Wars uh, Episode Four: New Hope when Obi-Wan is training him. You know, that little uh, sort of beige-colored ball that flies around his head. Uh, Master Replicas did this, and it's a, it's a real cool replica, and you don't really get a feel from uh, that episode, or that episode, excuse me, the that Star Wars film, uh, of the intricate detail on this little model. It's really got a lot of little, you know, just little bits and parts. And, you know, the first Star Wars film that they did, and even the subsequent subsequent ones, at least the original trilogy, they used to do this thing called kit bashing to create a lot of these models for the movie. They did it for the Millennium Falcon. They did it for this little Jedi training remote. Basically, they would get a lot of uh, model kits, and they would take little bits and parts from them and you know, kind of glue them onto different objects. So when they like made the Millennium Falcon, a lot of the little bits on the hull and things on the ship are, are things from old kits, you know, tank kits, plane kits, car kits, 
whatever that they would glue on, little nubs and things like that. And this Jedi training remote is a lot like that. They have these little chrome reflective areas and little bits uh, glued onto the ball. It's it's a real neat piece. It's probably about uh, the Master Replica's uh, item or replica of it is supposed to be uh, one-to-one scale to the to the prop that you see in the film. It's probably six to eight inches in diameter, approximately. It comes on a neat little stand. Uh, it didn't come in any kind of with any kind of a case, but a, a typical glass bell jar that are used for clocks and things like that. I bought one online that will cover this up, and it works real well as a case for it. So, uh, it, it's a very nice item. And one of the things I liked uh, most about this, probably, and like some of the other things from Master Replicas, is it wasn't just another lightsaber uh, replica. This is a little different, uh, something a little unique. You know, they did the thermal detonators. They did the Emperor's Cane, which I should talk about that sometime. I've got that one. But I I always liked when Master Replicas put out something a little bit different, a little out of the ordinary, rather than a lightsaber or even a blaster, something different from the movies. And this certainly is something like that. So there you have the Jedi Training Remote. I will have a uh, picture of that in the show notes and some links to it in the new collection gallery that I've uh, been working on for the website. Okay, time to wrap this week's podcast up, folks. 146 is almost done. As always, you can contact me at treksf at gmail.com for any email. Uh, You can also call the voicemail line 206-6666-127 to leave comments there, or just shoot an audio file little mp3 file over uh, via email, which is what most of the people do that have contributed to the show. Thanks to everyone that has contributed. I really appreciate it. We had a lot of very cool content from you guys this week. I always enjoy that, and uh, really good stuff. Keep it up. Next week, uh, we're going to be probably covering a Deep Space Nine episode on next week's show. But I did want to mention one last thing. Hopefully this uh, everyone's still listening to the podcast. Uh, I am going to attempt, uh, let's say I'm 99% sure of this, I'm going to do a, a full video podcast, uh, edit it somehow, create it somehow, but this is going to be for the big uh, podcast episode 150, which right now should come out on Thanksgiving weekend. So what I am hoping from uh, the people that listen to the podcast, guys on the forum, guys, girls, Uh, Anyone else that wants to do this, uh, you're welcome to do it. I'd like you to send me in a short little video clip of yourself. Just say hi, you know, maybe a little bit about what your favorites in sci-fi are, that kind of thing, Uh, your favorite TV, sci-fi, your favorite movies, whatever. Try to keep them to just more than, not more than a couple minutes long. Uh, and uh, MPEG-2 format would be best. I could probably handle a MOV file or an MP4, MPEG-4 file. Uh, I can probably find a way to convert it if you send me any kind of a video file, but uh, send those along to treksf at gmail.com. Try to get them to me by around Thanksgiving uh, of this month, and I am going to be working on that episode and editing it during Thanksgiving weekend. So, that is the plan, and I've got some cool things, I think, in mind to do that video podcast and, and what I want to include, along with, like I said, your video entry. So send those in uh, as soon as you can, and they will show up on the podcast, the big video podcast for show 150. So I'm looking forward to seeing all those come in. So that's it, folks. Uh, until next week, I hope everyone has a good uh, week. Uh, I was sad that Michigan State lost yesterday the football game. 
Yeah, they could have beat U of M. They had a chance, but they kind of lost it at the very end. But they tried. I think they scared U of M a little bit because they were ahead for uh, a fair portion of the game. But anyway, uh, I will talk to everyone next week. And, hey, one last thing. Check out the new Attic of My Mind podcast, which is also now on iTunes. Just search for it in the podcast directory there. Or if you just go to AtticOfMyMind.com, you can have a direct iTunes link uh, for uh, subscribing to that uh, short little personal podcast of mine. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.